Let's go ahead and look at our passage for today. It's from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 through 26. Let's go ahead and look at it. Now in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also those of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. So if anyone purifies himself from anything dishonorable, he will be a special instrument, set apart, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, and uh, love and peace, along with those who call upon the Lord from a pure heart, but reject foolish and ignorant disputes, because you know that they breed quarrels, and the Lord's servant must not quarrel, but must be gentle to everyone, able to teach, and patient, instructing his opponents with gentleness. Perhaps God will grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth. Then they may come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil, who has taken them captive to do his will. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we are gathered here uh, together in your presence to hear all that it is you have for us. And we pray that your word that goes out of my mouth now would accomplish its purpose. It would do the work for which you have planned and prepared it and will bear fruit in our lives for your glory. Christ's name. Amen. All right, if you uh, are new with us this morning, we have been uh, working through this little book called uh, Second Timothy uh, in this series that we titled uh, Vintage Season uh, Words uh, to the Church. So Second Timothy, um, you find it in the second part of the Bible, which is called the New Testament, and it's kind of toward the end. At this point in the Bible story, Jesus has risen from the dead, ascended into heaven, commissioned his followers out into the world to proclaim the good news that he is alive and that and, and uh, for our salvation and uh, they went out and did what we're doing right now they started churches they established churches all around the roman empire and the church was growing and thriving but there was a lot of opposition and that's why paul wrote this letter from jail he was in jail he was in prison he was locked up for doing what i'm doing right now for preaching uh preaching jesus and he wrote this letter to a young pastor named Timothy to encourage him and to teach him about who he was and what he should do with his life. And that's what it does for us. It teaches us about who we are as human beings and what in the world we should do with our lives. The question is, how does it do that? How does it teach us these things? First thing I want to see from our passage is it teaches you to see your purpose. And uh, Paul uses an illustration to kind of drive his message home. I want you to see it in verse 20. Now in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also those of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. So he's saying, listen, in your house, you got all kinds of plates and cups and stuff, and you got some that are a little bit nicer and some you know, that aren't. So you got your disposable stuff. You got your paper plates, and then you got your fine china that you got from Target, right? You have your fine china. Um, so in my house, we have red Solo cups, right? Because I have people over all the time, and then I have a Yeti, right? I got a Yeti from my brother uh, from Christmas, and I, and, and I like it's useful. Um, so now when I'm 
driving, I need some coffee while I'm driving, I got my Yeti cup, and uh, it, it doesn't spill over me, and I don't look like a fool. You know, when I show up to work in this gray shirt, it's got coffee all over it and stuff, uh, so it's um, very helpful. It fits perfectly in my cup holder, keeps the coffee warm, and keeps it in the cup, most importantly, right? So it has a purpose. And here's the point of what Paul is saying. So do you. You have a purpose, right? And it's something that you have to see for yourself from the Bible, from uh, the Scriptures. Did anybody wake up this morning and you thought to yourself, I hope that my life has absolutely no purpose and no meaning whatsoever? Did anybody think that? No, you didn't. And here's why. It seems like it has been hardwired into our souls that we at least want our life to matter. We at least want our life uh, to have a purpose. It's like uh, your cell phone. When you go buy a cell phone, that cell phone's not a blank slate. It comes with software already installed on the thing, and so do we. Um, recently, it was the, the NBA uh, All-Star Weekend. Uh, I don't know if anybody watched that, but uh, a guy named Mac McClung won the slam dunk contest. So at the All-Star All -Star Weekend, they have like a dunk contest where people are being creative with their, uh, their dunks. Uh, McClung is a 6'2", 185-pound white guy, right? He looked just like me, right? Now, I can't dunk. I've never been able to dunk, right? Um, but I got, a, I got a picture of this guy. He won the slam dunk contest. I got a picture of this. Look at this right here. Everybody see that? His head is almost about to hit the rim, and he just jumped over that guy right there and grabbed that basketball and went double pump, boom, flushed it. All right, and it was absolutely amazing. If you haven't seen that, uh, it's one of the best um, dunk contests I've ever seen. Uh, there was an interview with him afterwards uh, on ESPN. And uh, the interviewer asked him, you know, Mac, there are all these kids out there and, uh, you know, looking up to you. And what do you say to them? And here's what he said. Do whatever your heart tells you to do. Whatever you want to do, you can do it. So why am I telling you this? Why, why am I mentioning uh, uh, Mac McClung? Here's why. Number one, white men can't jump. We, ha we have heard for a long time that, that white men can't jump, and this actually right here proves that they can, all right? They, they actually can jump. Number two, it tells us that you have a purpose. I, I'm telling you this for, because of the reason that you have a purpose, and it's much bigger, all right, than whatever your heart tells you, all right? That's what Mac McClung said, right? Whatever your heart tells you, that is your purpose, right? And this is how most people in our culture think, right? Whatever I want to do, whatever I feel, whatever uh, my heart tells me to do, that's my purpose, and that's what uh, I'm going to do in life. But that can't be true. That can't be true. Here's why. If, if all of us did whatever we wanted to do, and we did just whatever our heart tells us to do, there would be no way to tell someone, you're wrong because it's my purpose. And if my purpose boils down to whatever I want to do and my little feelings and, and my little heart, you know what that means? There's no real big purpose for our lives. And ultimately, our little purposes don't matter at all. Right? Here's the deal. Here's the truth. Unless we have a word from God, unless we have a word from God that comes down to us that tells us this is exactly what you are to do with your life, then it's all just opinions. 
It's all just speculation. But here's the good news. We have a word from God. And that's what we got in our passage today. And it's beautiful. And it's there so we can see what our purpose is. Look at, look at verse 21 again. And so if anyone purifies himself from anything dishonorable, he will be a special instrument set apart. Look at this. Useful to the master. There it is. You are here to be useful to the master. You were created for that purpose, to be useful to the master. So who is the master? Who is it talking about? Not us. Right? We are not the master. We are not the masters of the universe and the masters uh, of our destiny, destiny. You have a creator. God created humanity. God put us here on this earth. God created everything and everyone, including you, for a purpose. I want, you to, I want you to see this from Isaiah chapter 43, verse 7. This is beautiful. God's speaking through the prophet. Isaiah, talking about you. I want them back. Every one of them who bears my name, every man, every woman, and child, whom I created for my glory. You see that? God created you for a purpose. To work through you for his glory. Yes, personally formed and made each one of them. See, our master is our creator. The God of the Bible. And his Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is our master. And the word master is jarring. I just keep saying master, master, master. Right? It's jarring in our culture. Right? Because it brings up the memory, the horrible memory of slavery uh, in our country. But here's the deal. The creator God is the one who says that it's wrong and wicked and evil for human beings to own one another, purchase one another, and sell other human beings. So slavery is a damnable evil according to the scriptures. And, and here's how you know that. All the abolitionists, civil rights leaders, they were Christians. Christians spearheaded this stuff. Yeah, they got their information and their motivation and their passion to glorify God from the Bible. So God is not that type of master. He's not a slave master. But by virtue of being our, our creator, our master, God owns us. God can control us, and he has absolute rights over us. Just think about it. That, that just makes sense. All right, can you imagine, uh, you know, this morning, uh, my Yeti coming alive, taking on a personality, and says, listen, Ricky, Listen, I know you want some hot coffee this morning because you got to go down to the building because that furnace is not working again. I know it. You know, I know you want me to ride here in the cup holder and everything, but I want to ride on top of the car, right? Because I think that might be fun. That would be disastrous, wouldn't it? As soon as I take off, you're going to hear the tink, tink, tink going down the road of the Yeti cup bouncing on the concrete. That's not its purpose. And same thing with, uh, with us. God is our creator. He has rights over us. He can do with us whatever he pleases. But here's the deal. He's not a tyrant. He's not a dictator, a totalitarian. There's no one in the Bible who worships, serve God, who ever thought about him that way. Look at Psalm 102 and 3. Serve the Lord with gladness. You see that? Serve the Lord with gladness. Acknowledge that the, uh, uh, come before him with joyful songs, right? It's gladness, it's joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God, he made us. We are his, his people, the sheep of his pasture. 
So your Creator is good. And He has a purpose for your life. Look at it here. We can see it here in, in our passage in uh, 2 Timothy 2.21. So if anyone purifies himself, many think it's dishonorable, look at this. He will be a special instrument. See that? Set apart. See, that is beautiful. God created you to be a special instrument. You're not a solo cup. You're not disposable. You're not an accident. You're not a throwaway. You're not just junk, right? You matter. You're you created to be a special instrument. It says set apart. Um, you know, we purchased this building last June. We started renovating last June. And uh, we have used all kinds of tools in here. And I've learned so much about all kinds of different tools. So a couple weeks ago, I learned about this tool, a five-gallon bucket wrench. Never knew it existed. Someone told me to go get it and look for it. And I said, what is that? But it's a wrench that opens a five-gallon bucket. I, like a fool, for years have been just using my, my bare hands to open five-gallon bucket. I didn't even know it existed, right? But it's set apart for that purpose. It has a specific purpose to assist you in not being a fool in opening five-gallon buckets. And the same goes for you. You were created by God, designed by God, and dedicated for His purposes. You were created to belong to Him. And that is a beautiful thing for His purposes. And you need to see it. You need to see your purpose. And that's what the rest of this passage clarifies. Clarifies what, we sh what should we do with our lives? Look, look at it in verse 21 again. So if anyone purifies himself from anything dishonorable. So in order to see your purpose in life, you have to detail your life. That's number two. You need to detail your life. I, I had my car uh, detailed recently, and you might be asking, you might be thinking, well, why would you do that? Just do it yourself. My car was trashed. It was beyond my ability. And uh, I'll give you three guesses uh, on how that happened, right? And I'm not one of them. Uh, I'll tell you who the three are. It's my family, right? I'll throw them under the bus. Yeah, they trashed it. It was utterly defiled. But I took it to the professionals. They cleaned it, washed it, purified it, and now it's, it looks like a new ride, right? Even though it's 2003. Um, I know you guys have probably heard about the uh, train uh, that derailed uh, in, uh, in uh, East Palestine, Ohio. It was carrying uh, vinyl chloride. And the vinyl chloride spilled out into the ground and into the water and is polluting it. And it caused things to die. The reason our lives need to be detailed is because we derail them, just like those trains. God has a purpose for us. He says, this is why you're on earth. This is why you got breath in your lungs. This is why you're alive. Go this way. And we say, I'm going to pollute my life. I'm going, to, I'm going to derail it. So they get polluted by sin. This is, this is another way of thinking about sin. Just like that vinyl chloride polluted the rivers and streams, so, so sin pollutes our entire being. Without Jesus, there is no spiritual life. Without Jesus, we are incapable of spiritual good. We become unfit for God's purposes in our life. I want to show you this from Jeremiah uh, chapter 2, verse 22. No amount of soap or lie can make you clean. I still see the stain of your guilt. 
I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. Do you see that? God says, I know what's wrong with you. Right? I, I know why your life is derailed, and I see the stain in your life. I, the sovereign. And listen, you can't clean it up yourself. You can't wash yourself clean. No psychology, no religion, no spirituality, no medication, no drugs, illegal drugs, legal drugs, anything else can wash it away. So first, if we're going to detail our lives, we have to recognize it's something that we can't do on our own. To purify yourself from sin, you need help. Just like my vehicle. My vehicle, I need a professional help for my, for my ride. Right? And we need professional help for our lives. And I'm not talking about professional help that you get out here uh, in the world. I'm talking about Jesus, our master, our creator, stepped down into this polluted world and wrapped himself in human flesh and became a servant. And he came to serve us, to clean, clean us, and to purify us. He came to purify what was polluted. He came for the environmental disaster which is your soul. And he came to clean it up. This is why he came. This is why he died on the cross. He became polluted with your sin so that the drops of his blood could enter into your life and drive out all the impurities. And he died on the cross. This is why he rose from the dead. This is why from heaven he poured out his spirit onto the church to cleanse us and to purify us. Hebrews chapter 9 puts it like this. And this is absolutely beautiful. Just think. How much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that, look at this, we can do, fulfill our purpose so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God, look at this, as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. So first, if you're going to see your purpose in life, it needs to be detailed. And only Jesus can do that. Only Christ can do that. And it's something you have to ask him to do. Just like I, I brought my car to the professionals and I said, I can't do it. It's beyond repair. You've got to bring your life to the sovereign Lord Jesus and say, I've screwed up. I've blown it. I'm guilty. I'm stained. I need your help. I need you to wash me clean. And here's the promise. He will do it. He specializes in purifying souls from sin. This is his job. It's what he loves to do. What he wants to do for you. So second, if you're going to detail your life, it has to be something that you help with. Detailing your life is something that you need to participate in as well. And I want to clarify something here. You cannot wash your sins away. There's nothing that you can do. There's no good deed that you can do. Right? There's nothing, no way that you can erase it. Only Jesus uh, can do that. But it is clear from our passage, after the, after the initial cleansing, that you are to purify yourself because as we follow his purpose for our lives, we trouble our own consciences. We do things that trouble our own uh, conscience. Listen, when Jesus washes us, we're clean, period. So from God's perspective, when he looks down upon you, you believe in Jesus, you're cleansed. You're forgiven. You're righteous. Here, and here, here's what's going on. When we sin, it affects our love for him, not his love for us. 
when we sin, it pollutes our vision of how he sees us as pure. When we sin, it derails us and we, we can't see, it fogs our vision from his purpose in our lives. It affects us, not him. That's why we need to purify ourselves. We're called, here it says, so if anyone purifies himself. And look, look what he goes on to say there in uh, verse 22. Flee youthful passions. Here's what we need to do. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call upon the Lord from a pure heart. So the detailing of our lives involves two things. It involves a negative and a positive. So here's the negative. Flee youthful passions. Now what in the world is that? What, is it, what does it look like to flee youthful passions? Well, just think back on how you were when you were younger and how you've matured uh, in your life. I look back. I don't have to look too far back. I look back and I say, that guy was an idiot. The younger Ricky, that guy was an idiot, right? Um, and I would love to have a conversation with him about that, but I can't, right? I just have to move on to uh, maturity. So when, I'll tell myself, what is youthful uh, passions? When I was more youthful, I had a problem with authority. I had a problem with parents, teachers, adults, police, and that's just youthful passion. That is youthful passion. All right, so seeing your purpose in life is recognizing you have authority in your life. You have a master. And you're called to submit to him and trust him and obey him in every area and all the other authority he puts in your life. Spouses, parents, teachers, pastors, community group leaders, team leaders, police, local government, government, and so on and so forth. So the question is, are you? Are you submitting to the master and the other authority that he's put in your life? Uh, when I was more youthful, I did exactly what Macno Clun suggested that we should do. I did whatever I wanted to do. Whatever I thought was going to make me happy is, is what I did. And no one could tell me any different. Don't do that. That's youthful passion. When I was more younger, I, I was arrogant and prideful. You couldn't tell me anything. I thought I knew it. I thought I was, I was smelling myself. I thought I smelled good. Right? Well, I was lost. God tells us here to run from these things, flee from these things. These youthful passions are like a bear chasing you down, trying to just rip you to shreds. And the Apostle Paul says, flee from those things. Flee from youthful passions. Flee from immaturity. But... Positively, it says here, there are things that we need to run after in our lives. Right? Do you see that? Flee and pursue. So run from that and run after this. Go after this. And, and what is it? Righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call upon the Lord from a pure heart. So just like when uh, they detailed my ride, there were a lot of things that they had to remove from inside. McDonald's french fries, gum, all kinds of different wrappers, dead animals. There was dead animals in there. I'm just kidding. There weren't any dead animals, right? Uh, but you would think there might have been, right? So they removed some stuff, but then they also applied some stuff. They added some stuff. They waxed that puppy down, put the armor all in there, put the smell good in there. You know, they shined my, my wheels up uh, and everything. 
And that's what we need to do. So positively, here in this passage, we are to go after four necessary marks of a Christian. Do you see them? Righteousness, faith, love, and peace. You see that. Uh, one scholar uh, put it like this. This double duty of Christians, negative and positive, is the consistent, reiterated teaching of the Scriptures. This is what it looks like to be a Christian, to put off what belongs to our old life. When you become a Christian, you become a new person, and to put on what belongs to the new life. Righteousness, peace, love, things like that. So let me sum it all up. I'm going to bring it home to you. In order to see your purpose, you have to trash your plans for your life. You have to take your plans and your purposes that you come up with yourself, throw those away, and follow Jesus. Follow his purpose for your life. Follow in his uh, footsteps for you. This is your purpose. This is why you are on planet Earth. You are not here to waste time, to take up space and become dirt, and that's it. No. You have a wonderful purpose. Righteousness. What is that? That is walking in the footsteps of Jesus. Whatever he did, you do. Do whatever he did. Try your hardest to do it. Ask for God's help. Faith, that's just trusting Jesus along the way. Lord, I need your help. I need your forgiveness. I'm believing what you said. Love. Man, that's just enjoying the journey with him. What in the world? We get to know Jesus. What? This is, this is, this is amazing. We get to know the master who came and died for us, who rose from the dead. And love is also sacrificing for those who are going along with you. That's love. Sacrificing for other, other people. Peace is what you experience because this is what you were destined for. That's what it is. I live, I am here to have a relationship with God, to have a reconciled relationship with my brothers and sisters in the church, and to enjoy the good creation that God has put here, and to long for the day when he returns and sets it all straight. But as we do this, as we pursue these things, we're going to get dirty. We're going to get stained. We're going to fall and get in the mud. Right? We're going to get stuck. We sin every day. So when you do, you got to go back to the professionals. you got to go back to Jesus and ask him to cleanse you, to forgive you, and to wash you clean, and he will. Right? Maybe you're thinking here this morning, I'm too far gone. I'm too dirty. I'm too messed up. I'm too stained. Listen, God, Jesus, this is his job. And he can do it. Hey, he can clean you up. I mean, just think about all the people in the Bible. Think about Abraham. Man, he was a mess. Moses was a murderer. Right? King David. I'm talking about the most popular people in the Bible. King David was an adulterer and murderer. God cleansed him. God forgave him. God used him. The man who wrote this book, 2 Timothy, killed Christians. God cleansed him, forgave him, and he was useful uh, to the master. And seeing your purpose is something you can't do without other people. You can't do it alone. We weren't created to live the Christian life by ourselves. Look at what it says. Along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Do you see that? 
Listen, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, we have a family purpose. We are called to do this together. Right? We can't pursue righteousness and peace and love apart from family, apart from church family, apart from being a part of the local church. And what a gift that is. Man, it is such a gift to trust Jesus and to follow Jesus with you guys. That's, this is awesome. This is a privilege. This is an honor. Um, there, there's a book called The Pilgrim's Progress. It was written by a guy named John Bunyan. He was a Puritan pastor in England. And uh, he wrote it because he was in jail, just like the Apostle Paul, for preaching Jesus. And while he was there, he's like, I'm going to be useful to the Master. I'm going to write the most popular book, probably, outside of the Bible. And so he wrote The Pilgrim's Progress, and uh, it's an allegory of the Christian life, and it's about a guy named Christian who is rescued out of the city of destruction, and he it becomes a pilgrim on his way to the celestial city to meet the king, who's obviously Jesus. And all along the way, he meets all kinds of people. And some were encouraging, right? Some were, uh, you know, haters, and they want to get him distracted and um, get him off, the, off track. He meets a guy named Obstinate along the way. And Obstinate was obstinate. He was hard-headed, hard-hearted, and didn't want to listen. And he refuses to go with, with Christian along the way. So on our journey, as we pursue our purpose together, there will be people who don't want to come. And some of them are going to say they're Christians. They're going to talk a big talk, talk a big game, right? But really, we're like, hey, we're following Jesus, and they're talking about Jesus, but they're not following him, right? They're not, they're not pursuing these things, righteousness, faith, love, peace, and doing it with us. They will reject the purpose that God has for them. This is what the Bible says, and I want you to see it for yourself. Verse 23 and 26. But reject foolish and ignorant disputes, because they, and you know that they breed quarrels, that is fights. The Lord's servant, that is a pastor, must not quarrel, but must be gentle to everyone, able to teach and patient, instructing, look at this, his opponents. With gentleness, perhaps God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. Then they may come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. So Paul is telling this young pastor, Timothy, listen, don't let anybody derail you. You stay on the track. You fulfill your purpose. You do what uh, the Lord is calling you to do. Stay focused on Jesus. And that's what God is calling us to do as well. Laser-like focus right on Christ. Doing what he said we ought to do, following in his footsteps, trusting him along the way. Don't get distracted from the purpose that we just talked about, the purpose that we see in the Bible. Don't listen to all the noise out in the world or in our community, all the talk. Don't be deceived into following your own heart. Listening to your heart rather than listening to Jesus in the Bible, you'll always be led astray. Don't listen to the persuasion of others. Reject anything that is not found in the Bible. Don't argue over anything that doesn't really matter. Anything that's trivial, that is not the focus of the Scriptures or the Bible. And listen, we are to be gentle and patient with people who are distracted from God's purpose. Listen, you're going to meet people, right? They're, they're focused on trivial things or 
little Bible trivia, and they're, they're going down rabbit trails, and, and they're not really focused on these things uh, that we're talking about. And we're called to be gentle, be patient, and say, hey, that's cool and everything. Love to see a community group this week. 6.30 p.m., we got food, and we'll feed you. It'll be a great time. See you there. Um, know that as you follow Jesus, not everyone will be happy about it. Listen, what we're doing is not religion. This is not a game. You know, we're not in here just to feel good or feel inspired and to go home and everybody's going to clap for us and pat us on the back and say, uh, great job. Because that's not what happened to Jesus. We need to remember that the man that we followed as we follow our purpose was crucified. And he was mocked and, and, and people tried to trap him and, and all kinds of different things. They slandered him. But we are to instruct our opponents with gentleness. Did you see that in our passage? Right? That they, there will be oppon opponents. But guess what? Here's why we're to do that. God loves to save the opposition. <laughs> this is the whole message of the Bible. We are all opposed to God. But he died for us and said, Father, forgive them. But they don't even know what they're doing. They don't even know how confused they are. Jesus died for us while we were enemies so that we might be reconciled to him. And look at this. As we instruct and share the gospel and are patient with people who oppose us, right, perhaps God will grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth. And this is just amazing grace. That God overwhelms the stubbornness and the hard-heartedness of people. And you know what? That's the same thing that happened to us. That's the same thing that, happened to all, that happens to all believers. God gave you the gift of being rescued from the wrong path and he turned you around to being on the right path. And that's all a gift of his grace. There's nobody who turns away from foolishness and youthful passions to pursue Jesus that God didn't do that. That God didn't open up our eyes. The salvation is, is all of the Lord. Right? It is a gift from the very beginning all the way through until the very end. It's all his work. Why do we want to do all these things? Why do we want to know from the Bible what our purpose in life is? Why do we want to detail our lives? Why do we want to be pure and flee youthful passions, follow the path that Jesus has for us? Here's why. We want to stay ready. We want to stay ready. Look, look at this passage one more time. 2 Timothy 2.21 So if anyone purifies himself from anything dishonorable, he will be a special instrument set apart, youthful to the master. Check this out prepared for every good work, ready, ready for every good work. I used to work in a uh, mental health crisis downtown uh, Richmond, Virginia, and I had a co-worker that um, played Division I football. He worked in the prison uh, system there uh, in Virginia for a long time. It was great working with him because I knew when I worked with him, ain't nothing going to happen. Nothing's going down, right? But he would always mess with me, and I would come up in there wearing some boots like I got right on right now, or maybe I had some dress shoes on or anything like that, he would mess with me and say, you're not ready. Right? You ain't ready. Because you never knew what was going to go down. And you needed to have some sneakers to be able to maneuver the craziness uh, that might be happening. Right? If we trust Jesus, if we come to Jesus to be cleansed, if we're following Jesus daily, then we will be ready for the purpose that he has for us every day. Listen, imagine you wake up tomorrow. You get your coffee. 
You read your Bible, right? And you, you're reminded of your purpose. Imagine Jesus, right, out after that saying, are you ready now? Are you ready now? Are you ready for, for the day? Because that's what he's doing every day in your life. Every day that you wake up, right, he's wanting to know, are you ready? And this is how we get ready. Everything that we, uh, we just said, we want to be a people who are ready to do every good work that he has for us. We want to purify ourselves so that we can be ready. All right, so that's what we want to uh, do now. 